Okay. Well, thank you for being with me today, Mr. Or I should say Pastor Chris Estep. Uh, let me see. So for today on this video, we have, uh, we're going back to this article done um, by Lifeway Research. Uh, talking about the 12 lies that American evangelicals believe about uh, Christianity. Okay. So this number two, the second lie that we have here, it states everyone goes to heaven. Uh, now, the study found a bit of a, a contradiction in there where uh, about two-thirds of, the, of, of those that they tested, about um, 64%, uh, they described heaven as a place where all people will ultimately be reunited with their loved ones. Okay. So that's 64%. On the other hand, over half at about 54% said that Jesus Christ alone will receive salvation. So it seems like there's a contradiction there. Okay. Um, so is this, is this anything about dogs? Um, dogs go to heaven? Uh, no, but I'm, I'm afraid we might have a we'll, question we'll, like that in the future. All right. So uh, Pastor uh, Chris, uh, what would you have to say from a biblical perspective to this particular lie? Everyone goes to heaven. Okay. So as I was thinking through this, um, and and as I was looking at, at this article and all the the lies it says that uh, that people believe, um, so I wanted to consider first, you know, why people might believe that, right? Um, you know, and I think that there can be a lot of reasons for each one of these why somebody might hold to that belief. Um, and I think number one, you have like bad teaching or lack of teaching. Um, you know, so if you have somebody, obviously in the United States, we have um, universalist churches, which teach that, you know, that in the end, everybody goes to heaven, um, that, that God is not going to send anybody to hell, that it doesn't matter what path you walk on, um, doesn't matter which religious um, uh, background you choose, that ultimately everybody's going to get there. And what's interesting is how, how pervasive and how early on that influence was affecting in the United States, even in a location like us, you know, we're semi-rural, um, you know, mm -hmm. Haywood County is growing pretty rapidly. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's been, you know, in the last 20 to 30 years. Um, but actually if you study Haywood County's history out in, uh, the Bethel community where I'm from, uh, there was a church that, um, that in the very early part of the 1900s was a fairly significant part of that community, uh, which was actually a universalist church. Um, so very early on in the 1900s, there was a strong universalist church in that community. Um, and a lot of people recognize the history of that church, but they don't recognize the doctrine that kind of correlated along with that. Mm -hmm. And so that began to have an influence in a lot of people's lives, even without them realizing it, because it was there that early on. Um, you know, and then I think a lot of times people have this belief that everybody goes to heaven because as human beings, we deny the inherent sinfulness of ourselves, right? We, the, the proverb says that every man will proclaim his own goodness. Mm -hmm. You know, so when we look at ourselves, we say, okay, well, I might have some things that I don't like about myself, um, <laughs> but I'm not as bad as that guy. Mm, you know, I'm not as bad as that guy over there. Um, you know, and so when you begin to weigh those things out, then you begin to say, well, everybody has some, some things, you know, some sin in their life. Everybody has some things they don't like, but ultimately everybody's a good person is, mm. is kind of what we're taught. And so I think because of that, then people think, well, if everybody is inherently good, I mean, that's really what the, 
the media and 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 society at large kind of portrays, then then why would not everybody go to heaven, right? Because mm-hmm. that's in one of our mind, good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. You know, so if we all believe ourselves to be inherently good, then why would we not all go there? Right. Um, you know, so but in order to to confront that, I mean, I think we have to go back and and really look at what the scripture says, number one, not about not only about how we get to heaven, you know, about the only way that there is to get to heaven, but number one, about the sinfulness of our own on our own hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the scripture tells us that uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. You know, so we are we are separated from God not just because we sin, but we're separated from God because we are sinners. Uh, the psalmist talks about that in Psalm fifty-one. You know, he said, "In sin did my mother conceive me." And what he's referring back to is the fact that because of Adam's sin, mm-hmm. we are now all born into sin. So right. when you and I were born, we were born sinners. We weren't sinners the first time that we sinned. Mm-hmm. The very first is, moment, yeah. we are sinners from the very beginning. It's what right. the doctrine of original sin. You know, so we have to understand that and realizing that because we are sinners, that we're separated from God. You know, in in the garden. Adam and Eve walked side by side in sweet fellowship, and then because of sin, that that fellowship was separated. A division was placed between mankind and God, and that division still exists today. And so because there's a division there, something has to happen to, to reconcile that division. Um, you know, if somebody wants to get to heaven, if somebody wants to have a right relationship with God, something has to reconcile that decision, I mean, that division. And the Scripture tells us that that we can't reconcile that division ourselves. And God knew that, and that's why from the very beginning, the Scripture says that before the foundation of the world, that God God had ordained Jesus to come into the world to make reconciliation for us. You know, so a lot of times people think that, that Jesus coming to the world was God's plan B, right? He created the world, He created a garden, He created everything perfect, and everything was kind of set into motion, and that was the way He intended it. And then from out of left field, Satan shows up, sin enters into the world, and God has to back up and say, okay, how am I going to deal with this? But the Scripture tells us that all of this was put into place before God even put, the, put into motion to create the world, that mm-hmm. Jesus was going to come to be the Messiah, to be the reconciler, to be the propitiation for our sins, to come and to redeem mankind back to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so because of that, I mean, there's Scriptures all through. I mean, as I was preparing for this, you know, I was just writing out notes and writing out scripture references. And if I read just through the scripture references, we'd probably be here for 30 minutes. Oh, wow. Um, I see. <laughs> but, but, you know, so probably the most familiar is, this is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that's really what we're talking about, right? What does it mean to have eternal life? What does it mean to go to heaven? Because there would be a lot of disagreement among people about what eternity looks like, what heaven looks like. But really what matters is what is the truth. And the truth mm-hmm. is that eternity, whether it's in heaven or in hell, is, is what God says that it is, because He's the one who is the ultimate truth. He's the one who establishes what eternity is. It's not mm-hmm. up to us to decide that. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, when you go back into the ground, you just go into this cosmic, you know, th- this cosmic world of peace, or, or that you're reincarnated. So there's a lot of different viewpoints on that. But that's not what matters. What matters is what is true. And what's mm-hmm. true is what's revealed to us in Scripture. And so it says here that if you want to have eternal life, it has to come through believing upon Jesus Christ. And that really kind of rubs people the wrong way, especially in the world that we live in today, mm-hmm. um, because people don't like exclusive things. 
um, because they've been taught by um, by society and and really kind of mostly by the um, uh, higher education system that there is no such thing as as uh, as ultimate truth. Mm-hmm. You know right. that the you can't have a definitive statement that something is right or something is wrong. Um, and in in experiences that I've had in the past in doing evangelism on college campuses and things like that, people get really really upset when you say that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Um, and they would accuse Christianity of making itself exclusive, right? They, they think for some reason that, that at some point in the past of the, of the Christian church, there was a group of people who got together and they said, you know what, we're going to make Christianity exclusive as the only religion in the world, right? We're, we're going to make this that, that we're the best and that everybody else is wrong. Right. And it wasn't a group of people that decided that. It was God himself, you know, because Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So it was Jesus himself who, who laid down those claims of exclusivity. <laughs> that is a, that's, a, that's a little bit exclusive. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it wasn't that guys just decided to do this. Jesus himself said, listen, the only way to come to God the Father is through me. Again, and this is in a period of time. This is not as if Jesus was, was, was speaking in a void here in a time where there wasn't a lot of other options, right? Because, you know, we know the Romans, um, the Greeks, all of these different societal groups had really large amounts of, of other gods and deities that they worshipped. You know, I mean, they were all trying to work their way to heaven through worship of these false gods and idols. So it wasn't as if Jesus was speaking in a time where there was an, an emptiness on, on a pathway to heaven. He was laying down the same exclusive claim, and it would have sounded just as as bold of a claim then as as it does now to many people. Because he was saying, "Listen, you can you can worship to your heart's content over here in the temple, and you can uh, worship all these false deities, and you can offer sacrifices all day long, but it's not going to get you anywhere. You know, you mm-hmm. can be as sincere as you want to be, but you're going to be sincerely wrong." Because wow. the only way that you're going to make it to heaven, the only way that you're going to have eternal life, is if you come through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's important to realize that, because that's, that's what God has established, um, that Jesus is the only way to, to God the Father. Um, you know, and Jesus, over and over again, because another one of the arguments that you'll hear people say sometimes is that Jesus never claimed this, right? They'll mm-hmm. say that he was just a good man, but he never claimed deity. But again, right there, he's showing us that he is the only way to heaven. And there's other places, um, you know, where he talks about that. Um, you know, he says, um, you know, in, in John chapter four, John chapter three, he says, you know, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Um, so he's mm-hmm. talking there about his uh, crucifixion. Um, that the Old Testament typology, when Moses lifted up the serpent and the people looked to the serpent on the, on the pole and they were healed, mm-hmm. um, you know, was, a, was an Old Testament picture of Jesus dying on the cross, and that if people look to him, um, you know, that they're healed not from a physical ailment, but from the, the curse of sin. Right. Um, and that scripture goes on to say, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. So there's this very clear link in the scripture between belief in Jesus forgiveness of sins, belief in Jesus, and eternal life. Um, and that that's the only way that we can have that. Um, Ephesians chapter 1 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. So 
is not specifically even just talking about God the Father here, although God the Father is the one who initiated it. It's like we are saved because of what Christ has done, His work on the cross, His His sacrifice, His death, His burial, His resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, His grace is what has provided for us the opportunity um, to be forgiven. You know, so when you hear somebody say that everybody goes to heaven, it's just simply not true, um, because Jesus says that the only way that somebody is going to go to heaven, the only way that somebody has eternal life, is if they put their faith and trust in Christ. Now. We could run down the, the the rabbit hole of of what about those who have never heard? Because there is this, um, you know, when when used to preach on a lot of college, college campuses, as I said, and it's interesting because it didn't matter whether we were in North Carolina or uh, uh, or Wyoming or Nevada, every college campus we went to, there were always the same objections to Christianity because you could tell they weren't really coming from the students, they were coming from the professors and the Mm. textbooks they were reading. And one of those objections always was, was, you know, it's just not fair. And I've I've even heard Christians say this, you know, that it's just not fair for Jesus to be the only way to heaven because what if you have, um, you know, some isolated tribe in the middle of the Amazon, uh, because interestingly enough, you know, they say that in the Amazon there's still tribes that have never been contacted, you know, by the outside world. Mm-hmm. You know, so what do you say to a tribe like that who who uh, is very sincere? They've they've created an idol. They're worshiping a god. Um, you know, what do you say about them? Well, I would say the same thing that Jesus said: "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man mm-hmm. comes to the Father except through me." <laughs> you know, the only way. It doesn't matter how how sincere those people are, they can't get to heaven unless they come through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so people would say that it's not fair, and that opens up a whole other realm of thinking. It's like, what's, what's not fair is that any of us are saved. Yeah, it's only yeah. by God's grace and mercy that any of us uh, receive salvation and have eternal life. Mm-hmm. But, but I look at the examples in the past. Now, Romans tells us that every man, every person, knows that there is a God because mm-hmm. God has revealed himself in creation. And that's exactly why, if you use that that isolated tribe in the Amazon who's never been contacted by the outside world, the reason when you find those tribes like that, you find people groups like that, they've always, even though they've never been contacted by the outside world, will always have some kind of deity that they're worshiping. And they've created that deity because they look around at the world and they say, well, I see this tree over here, and I see this mountain, and I see the water, and I see all of these things. There had to be something that made that. Mm-hmm. So they create a deity in order to, to have something to worship because they believe something had to make all of these things. Uh, and so, so they're worshiping in, in error, but they're worshiping out of an intent to, to try to find or recognize this. Um, and so the Scripture tells us that God reveals Himself through creation. But just the acknowledgement of that, of that revealing is not enough to save us. Again, mm-hmm. it has to be through Christ. And I firmly believe, because I think it's been proven through, through history, that if you have someone in that people group, you have someone who is sincerely desiring to know, not just a created deity, but desiring to know the true God, that God will send someone to them. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know that God is sovereign, and we know that God works in, in various means and ways. And I always think of the example of, um, of Jim Elliott and Nate Saint, um, who were missionaries to the Aka Indians in South America. Okay. And they um, had a really strong burden to go to some of these unreached people groups. And so, you know, they had had an airplane and they were flying over and they finally found this one people group that they were looking for. Um, and so they're flying in this small little, you know, single prop engine plane and they found this group of people and they ended up uh, setting their plane down. And, and after, a, I think it was either one or two times of contact, 
um, the tribe came out and ended up actually killing all of them and um, murdering them. And so their family, obviously distraught by this, went back home. But then a few years later, the wives of these men um, went back to that village and ended up leading um, the, the, eventually the entire village to Christ, but especially the man who was responsible for the killing of their husbands. Wow. Um, and, and God began to work in a great and powerful way uh, through that tribe there uh, in South America. You know, and again, it's like, why did that happen? What happened? Because number one, you had Christians who were obeying the Great Commission, right? Mm. And number two, you had uh, a group of people who were seeking to understand the truth of, of God and that God worked through that in order that they might be saved and not to come to know the truth of Jesus Christ so that they could be saved. So when you hear somebody argue the fact that, that there's a people group that might not know Christ, it's like, well, then what are you doing? Are you sharing the gospel? Because that's what you do. Like, if that upsets you and you think it's not fair, then the response should be, then you should go to the mission field and begin to share the gospel with people so that they can know the truth. Because when we come back to the, to the first topic, the only way that somebody's going to make it into heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not an open door that everybody gets to walk through. The only way, because Jesus said what? I am the door. Mm-hmm. The only way to get there is through his, uh, through his sacrifice, through faith in him, through trust in him, and through him alone. Well, thank thank you very much for that, uh, Pastor Chris. Uh, just um, if if I if I could get a f- follow up question, yeah. just because uh, I, I know I know there are there are many objections from people. There are any, even objections within within Christianity. Some people um, holding to what they would call Christian universalism, mm-hmm. where th- that's another rabbit trail. But just uh, something that someone might pull from Scripture to say, like, well, that doesn't really make sense because Scripture says uh, is in Second uh, Peter, uh, the Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness. But his patient, but is patient toward us, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Mm-hmm. So someone might see that and say, "Okay, well, um, we do um, everything happens in the world according to God's will, and God is isn't willing; He doesn't want anyone to perish. Mm-hmm. So that means no one's going to ultimately perish." Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would you say to that in like a pastoral counsel sure, kind of yeah. way? Sure. Yeah. So you know that passage in particular um, is a great, is a beautiful passage because it, again it speaks to the to the patient and the long suffering of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he's not saying that God is going to welcome everybody into heaven, uh, but it is God's desire uh, that people would be saved um, because obviously he he created them, he created mankind, and there's a a generalized grace and mercy that God shows towards all humans in the fact that. You know, the sun shines and the rain falls and the seed grows and all those things, those common graces that God gives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but that passage is talking about the, the time that God gives people to repent in that the sense that there are times where we sin and we sin heinously, right? Like we, we do things that are, that are really bad. And if God were not long-suffering, he would be completely just to just strike us dead in that moment mm-hmm. and, and cause us to face judgment in that very moment. But God is long-suffering because He doesn't desire to send people to hell. I mean, that's not His, that's not his, uh, his joy there. His joy is that the people would come to know Jesus Christ and experience forgiveness through faith in Him. So that passage really is speaking more of, of the graciousness of God in that He offers us multiple opportunities to put our faith and trust in Christ. So that's really, is in fact, not an argument for universalism. It's actually a, an argument for the exclusivity of Christ because it's saying that God is giving people multiple opportunities over and over and over again to put their faith and trust in Christ before their ultimate end of their life, you know, whether that be through, through death or, or whatever. 
Wow. We, we really do serve a patient God. Oh, amen. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I, th- I think this, this will be a good um, uh, help, help to a lot of people. Appreciate it.